Well, this morning we're going to look at one of my favourite words in the whole of the Bible. Cake. No, sorry, partnership. Partnership is what we're going to look at uh, this morning. For it sums up to me so well what makes us as a local church, and also how as a local church we relate to people outside of our own church. Partnership is, is what makes us into a local church, if you like. In fact, the word partnership is translated elsewhere in the Bible as fellowship. A church fellowship is a partnership. A partnership in the gospel. And that's what brings us together this morning. Partnership in the gospel. Those from our church and those who have helped and supported us over the, the years. Those who are with us this morning. We are partners in the gospel. Now the word for partnership in Greek is koinonia. Okay? And it means something that you share. Something that you have in common. It's translated various ways in the Bible. Fellowship, partnering, sharing. And I've used lots of illustrations over the years. And some of you here, I'm looking at you, uh, have heard many of them. So if you've heard them before, here's a bit of nostalgia for you. Uh, you know, it's it's 105 year anniversary, so you want a bit of nostalgia. Um, if it's not, if they're new, then you can enjoy them for the first time. But let me give you three examples of what fellowship really means. Now, fellowship may bring to mind tea and coffee and biscuits. You know, when I was younger, I was like, oh, I'll have a time of fellowship now. But that's not it. We're a fellowship like fellowship in the Lord of the Rings. Someone said last week that I, you know, do you do a lot of Lord of the Rings illustrations? I haven't done one in a while. So here we go. It's a fellowship like the Fellowship of the Ring in the Lord of the Rings. A diverse group of people united by a shared mission. In their case, to bring the ring to Mount Doom and bring Sauron to an end. But our mission is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, isn't it? And to make disciples. Even if divided by geography, fellowship can still exist if we're on the same mission. Playing our part wherever we are. That's what happens in the Lord of the Rings, isn't it? As they sort of separate off into their groups. They're all doing their bit, but they're all working towards the same mission. That's fellowship. Partnership. Fellowship also, second one, is uh, used of a co-ownership of a business. So if you imagine James and John and others who were fishermen, who were disciples, they would understand this. They'd be partners in a fishing business. A group who would club together to buy a boat, a fishing net, any other equipment that they needed. They'd work together to man the boat. One might be designated captain, but everybody would pull their weight. And they would work day and night, wouldn't they? To make a go of it, because everybody had a stake. Everyone had a part in what was happening. They had a partnership. They owned it together. None of them could do it alone. They needed each other. That's a partnership, fellowship. And then the last one, fellowship, is what I call the Belinda Carlisle principle. I know you've heard, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Belinda Carlisle released a song in 1990, I think I've said it's an 80s song, it's actually 1990, called The Same Thing. And the chorus is, you probably heard it on a car after a few years ago, we dream the same dream, we want the same thing. And that's a good working definition of partnership. The same mission. The same goal, the same desire that we share together, the same heartbeat, the same thing that makes us tick. We're trying to achieve the same purposes. 
So it's not about what name's on the door or what specifics we have about secondary issues. It's about are we living and breathing for Jesus' glory? Are we seeking first the kingdom? Are we longing to see the gospel spread across the whole earth? Can we be partners, allies, fellows, co-owners of that mission together? Can we work together to see Jesus glorified? And that's what Paul is writing here to the Philippians, his partners in the gospel. In chapter 1 he writes this, it's on the back of your notice sheets. Philippians 1 verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. They are his partners. They share that gospel heartbeat that he has. They share that kingdom mission together. And Paul has written this letter in part to express his heartfelt thankfulness for their partnership. And that's what we're going to look at this morning as we celebrate 105 years of gospel partnership and partnership that has brought to this wonderful building together. So what does our passage say? Well, firstly, koinonia, that word for fellowship, just to make it fit with the seas. Koinonia involves concern. Have a look with me at verse 10 again. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me but have no opportunity. Paul is rejoicing in the Philippians' revived concern for him. The Philippians have been his supporters almost since day one. Financially, which we'll come on to later, but also in concern for Paul and his welfare. The word concern there literally means thoughts, the use of the mind. He's been on their mind. They've been thinking about him. Paul at this point was hundreds of miles away in prison in Rome, awaiting trial from Caesar. It would have been easy to forget about him, but they haven't. They're partners. They think about each other. They're on one another's minds. And it sounds really basic, doesn't it? But if you're partners with someone, you'll think about them. You'll have them on your thoughts. Paul is always writing to churches to tell them that they've been on his mind, that he's been praying for them. He's been wondering how they're doing. He's been wondering what's been happening to them. If you're truly partners with someone, that other person or that other church will be on your mind. You'll be concerned about their welfare. A couple of times when I visited other churches over the past few years, I've come across churches where the notices were really, really were news. I mean, we call ours news, but they really were. It was a chance for folk to say how they were doing, what was happening in their week. Evenings when people could come over to their house because they cook extra for a meal. Updates on folk that were missing that week. I'd love our news section on Sunday morning to sort of morph that way. I just have to do fewer notices, I think, for, for that to happen. But Paul wants to share news. He wants to find out how they're doing. So think, what does Paul commend his brother Timothy for in Philippians? Is it his theological acumen? Is it his teaching ability? Philippians 2.20, talking about Timothy, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. That's what he wants, isn't it? 
He sends them to the Philippians, not to teach them, for the first place, or to correct them. He sends them for news. So Philippians 2.19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be cheered by news of you. He's concerned for how they're doing. That's why in part he's writing to them. He says much the same of the Corinthians and the Thessalonians and the Ephesians. He tells them that he's sending people to find out how they're doing and so that they can tell them how he's doing. Jesus in the gospel sends for news from his friends too. They're concerned for the gospel in part because they were concerned for people. People that they met, people that they knew. Do we genuinely care how others are doing? Within churches? Outside of our churches? Do we think about each other between Sundays? Do we pray for one another? But Paul doesn't write this in a harsh way, sort of pointing the finger, does he? He writes it in a happy way. He says he's thankful for their concern. I send out a, a news and prayer update on behalf of our church and uh, ourselves once a quarter to around 80 individuals. You may not know that actually if you're in the church, but hopefully you do if you're one of those 80 people, you've realised that you're getting those emails. But it's so lovely when I bump into people who get that email and I try to fill them in on news and they already know it. Oh yeah, you know, they start asking how Tots and Toys is going and how's it going with the new building and are you ready for your anniversary? hope so. But you know that there's genuine concern. You know that they genuinely care. You know that they've actually read the letter that you sent them. And Paul here is calling us to be thankful for those sorts of situations. Actually, it's a call for thankfulness rather than sort of pointing the finger. He's saying be thankful for the concern of others. When people ask you how you're doing genuinely, be thankful that people are concerned for you. And if you're one of those people who keeps getting asked how you are, be thankful and let others know, share how you're doing and ask other people how they're doing. Because koinonia, that partnership involves concern for one another. So that's our first point, koinonia involves concern. Secondly, fellowship is not fair weather. Have a look at verses 11 to 13. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learnt in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learnt the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Fellowship is not just for the good times. Paul here talks about all sorts of situations that he's been in, doesn't he? Times of plenty, times of need, hunger, abundance. And yet the Philippians have stood by him all the way through that. Again and again, they've shared in his troubles. That word share is that word koinonia that we had before, that idea of sharing in something. They partnered with him through his troubles. You see, Christ was really enough for Paul. He says he can endure all things through Christ who gives him strength. And yet he speaks of their kindness towards him in partnering with his suffering. It goes back to Genesis 2. Adam has perfect fellowship with God, doesn't he? And yet God says it's not good for man to be alone. Paul has Christ strengthening him. But it still was good that he was not alone in his sufferings. 
that God had put people alongside him. He needed other people to help him. And as we face this building project, we needed help. It's all well and good, isn't it, being partners when it doesn't cost you anything. But our partners came through for us. They stuck with us even when it cost them. They didn't look the other way. They dug into their pockets and helped. And some of them were even Yorkshiremen. <laughs> and you know what they say, don't you? Yorkshireman's wallet is his castle. I mean, I'm not saying that Yorkshire folks such as myself are tight, but if you go to the bridge in Otley, there's lots of padlocks. People think they're to do with romance. They're actually just evidence that Yorkshireman's wallets have been opened <laughs> and the padlocks have been put on the, the bridge for proof. But joking aside, it's easy to be partners, isn't it, when it doesn't cost you anything. But we are so thankful for our partners for their gospel generosity. It shows that they're not fair-weather fellows, not part-time partners. And long may that continue. Because gospel ministry is hard. It takes support from within the church and from outside it as well. There are good times and there are hard times. Times of plenty and times of need. And partnership means that we're there for one another in the good times, but also in the hard times too. It means that sometimes we'll need support and help, and sometimes we'll be that support and help to others. It involves a give and take, doesn't it, a partnership, in the church and also outside the church as well. But Paul is confident that just as God has met his need through the Philippians, so he, God will meet the Philippians' need too. He's not saying this is a one-sided thing. This is a long-term partnership. Both sides have needs. And both sides will be provided by God. But so often through each other. That's what that partnership looks like. God helps us that we may help others through good times and hard times. Fellowship is not fair weather. And then finally, our last point. Partnership involves includes the practical. Partnership includes the practical. Have a look at verses 14 to 20. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payments and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever. Amen. How did this fellowship in the gospel express itself? Well, they supported him practically. They supported him in the practical. They had financial support when others didn't. You see that in verse 15. They supported him from the get-go. It's an easy detail to overlook, but in verse 16, he mentions that they supported him in Thessalonica. In the book of Acts, we discover that Thessalonica was the very next place that he went after Philippi. He only stayed there three weeks, and yet we're told that again and again they sent for his needs. These guys straight away got what gospel partnership looks like. Paul boasts about them to the Corinthians. They even funded Paul when he was preaching the gospel in Corinth. 
All that you need to know from this quote, we're going to read 2 Corinthians, all you need to know is that Philippi is in Macedonia, and we're told here that none of the other churches joined in. So 2 Corinthians 11, verse 9. And when I was with you, Corinthians, and was in need, I did not burden anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. They even supplied him in, in Corinth. This small band of believers in Philippi, not rich in the world's eyes, see 2 Corinthians 8, not perfect by any means, in need of some correction, see earlier in Philippians, they had partnered with Paul to see his ministry flourish all across Europe. In Thessalonica, in Corinth, in Rome, which is where he was as he wrote this. God had used them to keep a roof over his head and food on his table. In human terms, that amounted to one man keeping him going. But in gospel terms, that laid the foundation for 2,000 years of ministry on the continent of Europe and beyond. Something that we're a beneficiary from today. And Paul is overflowing with thankfulness and joy. Sometimes Philippians is called the epistle of joy, and we can see why. The Philippians have been his consistent, generous, gospel-hearted friends on the same mission as him, partners in the gospel. And he wants them to know how much he appreciates them. He's not after another gift. This is one of those little begging letters that you get. Makes that clear in verse 17. He just wants what's best for them. He wants them to know that their gift is an investment, an investment in the kingdom that will bear fruit or pay dividends or interest, as some uh, translations put it. He wants them to be encouraged that it's being, to, being put to good use, that he's well supplied, that the gospel is advancing because of their generosity. And we still see the fruit of that hundreds of years on now, don't we? As the gospel goes on. And as Paul writes this, I know how Paul feels. I've been humbled by the support we've seen from both inside and outside the church. I know for a fact that people have given sacrificially to see this project through. To see the gospel ring out across this whole region of Wharfdale and Airedale. And like Paul, I feel thankfulness to all those who have helped to make this a reality, giving their time, giving their finances, giving their prayers to support the work. And I want you to be encouraged this morning. I want you to be encouraged that the gospel is advancing because of your generosity, because of your partnership in the gospel, because of your partnership in the practical. Laying a wonderful foundation for decades, perhaps centuries, of ministry in Otley and beyond. I mean, we've done 105 years already. I wonder if those people who started the church all those years ago realised we'd still be going 105 years later. So this morning, I'm not asking for your money. I'm going to be the anti-Bob Geldof this morning, do you know what I mean? I don't want your dosh. I don't want your money. Like Paul in verse 18, we have received full payment and more. We are well supplied. So this morning, enjoy some of the fruit of your gifts. If you didn't give, don't feel bad. Enjoy the fruit of others' gifts and see what comes of being generous with your resources and time. Partnership in the gospel shows itself in partnership in the practical. And I'm so thankful for those at Beach Hill Church who give in week in and week out. It's all right having an amazing building, isn't it? Just the right place. But if there's no money to actually fund the mission week in, week out, then it's pointless, isn't it? 
We don't pass a playground at Beach Hill Church, we never want to. But one thing we miss out with that is that we miss out that weekly reminder of God's provision. We miss that weekly thanksgiving for all that God has provided through one another, through our partnership. We're going to try and work harder this year as leaders to try and find ways to express our gratitude to God for all that he provides. But for this morning, let's rejoice and give thanks for our partnership in the gospel. Let's continue and deepen our concern for one another. Let's stick together with one another through fair weather and foul. And let's keep expressing the practical outworkings of our partnership to see the gospel advancing all across this area and beyond. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for partnership in the gospel. Father, thank you that you brought us together, diverse people from all over uh, the place, Father, to, to unite in one mission. Father, we pray for the years ahead, for the decades ahead, for the centuries ahead, Father. Pray that this gospel partnership would continue, that the gospel might ring out all across this region of Yorkshire. And Father, pray that you might get all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>